The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put your Lord to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts help us to live and love like you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In case you missed it, Ash Wednesday, this past Wednesday, marks the beginning of Lent, a season where God calls us to reflect on the meaning of Christ's death and resurrection. The ashes in the sign of a cross on our foreheads set the tone for this Lenten season. They strike a reminder for us. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. But they're also in the sign of a cross, the symbol of Jesus' crucifixion that offers us hope past that to the resurrection. Lent is a time to be called back, 40 days to be called back to God. And throughout the Bible, we hear the number 40 a lot, right? For a couple examples, Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness learning to trust God. Elijah spent 40 days there before hearing God's still, small voice on that same mountain where Moses spent 40 days listening to God give him the law, what we know as the Ten Commandments. And then there is our gospel reading from Matthew for today, describing Jesus' own 40 days in the wilderness, during which he was tempted by the devil without eating anything, a whole 40 days. 40, it's a significant number that can help us dig deeper into ourselves, our relationship with God, and our relationship with our neighbors. During this season of Lent, we are going to be taking a look at some different disciplines of faith that we, um, as we walk along our journey, we start out today with worship. So let's get into it. 
right before our gospel text in Matthew. Today, it's the story of Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist, the story of the heavens opening up, the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus like a dove, and then comes the voice from heaven proclaiming, you are my son, my beloved, with you I am well pleased. Now it seems like we turn the page, and immediately after that, Jesus is taken out into the wilderness with no food, no sleep, 40 days of being tested. Whew. He fasted 40 days, 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. What a dramatic change from the scene that is just before us. Can you hear the taunting tone of the voice of the devil in each of these temptations? Temptation one, if you are the son of God, then command these stones to turn into loaves of bread. You know, Jesus, God gave Moses and Moses' people manna every single morning. He fed them and he took care of them. How are you going to care and feed your own people? Temptation two, if you are the son of God, then jump. Jump off of this highest pinnacle of the temple because you know it is written that he has placed you in the care of angels to protect you. They will catch you. You won't so much as stub your toe on a stone. Do you begin to notice the pattern? The devil tries to pull Jesus into this if-then language. If you are the Son of God, then you will do this. And this temptation is still alive and well for us today. Think about it. If you are a good person, then... If you love your children, then. If you're loved by your parent, then. If you had a decent education, then. If you had faith, then. If you are loved by God, then. The list could go on and on. These two little words, if, then, they take us from a place of security into a place of uncertainty and doubt And then that doubt turns in to temptation. Now, the devil even adds scripture onto the second temptation to make his point stronger, to see if he can bait Jesus into that. But by the third temptation, the devil has figured out that this if-then language, it's just not quite working with Jesus the way he wants it to. So instead, for temptation three, he says, look at this all. Look at all of this land. All of it can be yours. I'm in charge of them all, and I can turn them over to whoever I wish. If you worship me, then all of this is yours. The whole works. Think about it. If you worship me, your people will be free. They will not... They will know that you have come to save them. They will no longer be under Roman rule. It's time for a change. But here's the thing. The devil underestimates who Jesus is. He has just been filled and baptized. He has the Holy Spirit with him. Even if he's hungry and tired and lonely, Jesus knows how the devil and evil gets a foothold in this humanity. He knows 
how they work in the world. Making our wants look like needs. Making lies seem as though they are truths. Sowing seeds of distrust to make you think that your faith is insignificant. We know how the devil acts, but it's even more important for us to look in to Jesus's response to each one of these temptations. When Jesus is being overwhelmed and tempted, what does he do? He digs in inside himself and remembers the basic truths of scripture that he was taught. He recalls the stories of God and God's people. He remembers who and whose he is. Jesus trusts and holds fast to the faith that God is bigger, that God is more powerful than any emotion or hunger or temptation or anything that comes along. It is written. It is written. It is beautiful when you think about it. Jesus didn't even use many words other than those that were based right in Scripture. It is written. Jesus learned and grew into the stories of God. Jesus went to the temple to pray and to be around others. When Stacy um, started as the children's minister here a couple years ago, we changed the curriculum because we wanted the connection from faith to the home to be much stronger. It was really a no-brainer. But one of the aspects that I have learned to appreciate the most about this is the monthly memory verses that we give our children. Why? Well, at least for me, because when Eliana and Everett go out into the world and the world tells them that they are not enough in whatever way, right? That they're not strong enough, that they're not smart enough, that their faith is not big enough, that they are not pretty enough. I want them to be able to turn to those verses that they learned that are ingrained in their soul. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139:14. It is written. The world might tell us one thing, but God tells us another. God takes those if-then statements and turns them into you are. You are created wondrous being of God. You are loved by your maker. You are a reflection of God's glory. You are unique and you are a blessing and you are blessed. You are invited to share in God's very eternal life. You're a beloved child of God, and that means you are enough. You are worthy. You are loved. That is the importance of worship, of being part of a faith community. Worship gives us the strength to get through the hard times. Worship gives us the words when the world does not give us words. Worship gives us hope that temptation, suffering, sin, pain, sorrow, that that's not where the story ends. My dad's mom, my grandma, was a devout Catholic. 
her whole entire life. I bet that she could count on one hand the times that she missed church throughout her whole entire life. She was a special lady that was filled with God's love and grace. And I am telling you, no one, no one makes better chocolate chip cookies than my grandma did. Whenever we would visit, I knew that the Folgers can on her counter didn't hold coffee, but chocolate chip cookies. And it was probably one of the first places I went every single time. My grandma and grandpa were moved to an assisted living facility because they both developed Alzheimer's right around the same time. Things just kept slipping through the cracks, and that just wasn't normal for them. By the time my grandmother or my grandfather died, my grandma wasn't even well enough to go to the funeral. So my uncle is a deacon in the Catholic Church, and he came to the nursing home with a small group of family and led a service for her. During that service, my grandma heard words that were so ingrained in the depth of her soul. The words of the liturgy took over her heart and her mind, and when it was time to share our remembrances, my grandma had a completely lucid moment. She spoke with love about the man she was married to for over 50 years. She told stories and she laughed. I told my dad it was being in worship. Hearing those old songs and the words that she knew so deep within her soul that gave her that lucid moment, holy and sacred moment to grieve and to be honest for her kids and her grandkids to grieve as well. Years later, on a trip up to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan to see her, I walked into the room to find a shell of the woman that I once knew. She barely recognized anyone except my dad. He was the baby, and she always remembered my dad. She had a hard time talking, and nothing she said made a lot of sense. We sat there with her, and we told stories of our favorite memories with her. And when we were getting up to leave, I asked my dad if we could pray. We'll finish with the Lord's Prayer, Dad. You never know, I said to him. He told me that she wouldn't be able to say it with us. I prayed, and then we started praying the Lord's Prayer together. About every third or fourth word that we said, she would jump in with us. So we slowed down. We let her catch up to where we were, and we let her pray with us. Not one person left that room without a tear in their eye. It is written, deep in her soul, those words of worship were written. Worship matters. Being here together in a community, whether that's in person or online, to sing, to pray, and to listen to God's word together matters. Worship gives us strength to get through the hard times because in the moments that we need it most from the depth of our soul, God gives us words. It is written. You know, maybe Jesus didn't look the devil in the eye with all the strength in the world. 
He was tired. He was hungry. He was overwhelmed. But it was from the depths of his soul when Jesus didn't have words of his own that God gave him the words. It is written. Thanks be to God. Amen.